Good morning, Gator Nation, and welcome to episode 25. Yes, we are 25 episodes into the in all kinds of weather forecasts. Florida has just beaten Kentucky to go 7-1, and one, and the Gators are one win away from clinching the SEC East title and their spot in the SEC championship game. And along the way, we've got an interesting sideshow of Dan Mullen absolutely losing his mind on defensive coordinator Todd Grantham. Needless to say, we have a ton to talk about today. So I am your host, Dustin Smith, and you can follow me on Twitter at IAKOW Dustin. As usual, we've got an all kinds of weather creator and founder, Neil Schulman, with us, and you can follow him at all kinds weather. And as usual, we've got contributor Casey Hampton with us, who you can follow on Twitter at champton85. So guys, how's it going? Neil? It's going well, man. I'm kind of surprised you didn't um, – I'm kind of surprised you didn't say today is our Brandon James episode or today is our Chester Kimbrough episode of the In All Kinds of Other Forecasts because you've made a bit of a habit of doing that and giving every – episode number that we have a player to go alongside it so kind of miss an opportunity to give brandon james a shout out there i'm glad you said that because i did not say a player because i i baited you into a trap and you just fell for it which was i wanted you to say it that wasn't really a trap that was just giving me the opportunity to pick the player of my choice but okay um all right i'll 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 go i'll go james yeah yeah, um, well, hey, Brandon James. I mean, Kimbrel's pretty good, but he needs some more time and right. uh, more reps to get the uh, the epic status that Brandon James. Uh, but I mean, it is it is uh, rightly said because we did have a punt return for a touchdown. It's been a while since we've had one of those. So, um, shout out to Brandon James, and ultimately shout out to Kadarius Tony, and we'll we'll definitely talk more about him as the episode rolls on. Hey, you're revealing too much off the top, man. Um, yeah, but it, it's cool. It's, it's a good feeling. Both my football teams are in first place in the East. My Giants escaped against Cincinnati yesterday, today, yesterday for you guys listening. And, you know, they're four and seven in first place in the NFC East. And my Gators, our Gators, I shouldn't say my, our Gators, our Gators are in first place in the SEC East and one win away from wrapping that up. So life is good. Casey, how you doing today, man? Man, uh, we beat Kentucky. So, um, and the Jaguars maintain pace for the number one two pick uh, in the NFL draft, and they fired their general manager. So, progress. So somehow we got to pay the bills, and in order to do that, let's uh, get right to our sponsors, Neil. I know I say this every week, but you do such a great job at telling our listeners how they can help the show and how they can help people. So take it away. Yeah, so obviously we need to give a shout-out to our sponsors. So, of course, we're proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation. That has not changed since our podcast's inception. The Gator Good Foundation is the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. We have been reduced to a virtual campaign in 2020, and we are about to announce a winner for that. So please follow our social media handles, which are at the Gator Good on Twitter, at Gator Good Foundation on Instagram, and the Gator Good Foundation on Facebook. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and they'll deliver results that will wow your clients, whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above areas, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it is a veteran-owned business. Of course, we are still close enough to Veterans Day that I can say around this time of year especially prudent to think about this can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them business and two it's run by a florida gator so not only do they do great work 
but they do great work and they're owned by a Florida Gator fan who happens to be a U.S. veteran. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. That is stingraybranding.com. And having paid our bills, as Dustin put it, it is time to talk some football. Dustin, let's do it. And you know what? While Dustin kicks us off with our football discussion, I'm feeling like a variation of Marshawn Lynch right now. I'm feeling East mode. Gators, first place in the, in the SEC East. Giants, first place in the NFC East. So just East mode. I, you know what? Actually, right now, I'm changing the name of my personal Twitter to East mode. So there you go. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Because then you would – no, no, no. Then you would officially adopt the Dustin dad joke mode. No, don't do that. No? Don't okay. do that. No. Too late. No. I just did it. Jim McElwain would approve of you. Jim McElwain would approve of you being East mode. For those of you that are listening right now, um, we have a group chat with the, the three of us who, who are part of this podcast. And speaking of dad jokes, I, uh, I posted a picture of, well, multiple pictures. It's actually a GIF. And it's a ton of these weird a horses that. No, 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 no. Interrupted. It's GIF, Dustin. No one pronounces it GIF. That's just it, Jif. No. Jif is the peanut butter I have in my fridge. Casey was just chastising I, me for a dad joke, and yet Dustin still manages to. Yeah, but d- d- Dustin, Jif oh. is what choosy moms like me choose to have in their pantry. Jif is peanut butter. Gif. Okay, so, so Gif. Um, there you go. Whatever it's continue. called. Now, now you may continue the rest pictures. of your sentence. Go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. So – Speaking of McElwain, posted this this gif, and it was just all these horses showing their teeth, and <laughs> we we could not help but but think about McElwain. On top of that, a couple of weeks ago there was a um an advertisement for the uh, the latest incarnation of the Shark Boy and Lava Girl um, uh, saga that Disney has done in the past. And immediately when we saw the little kid riding the shark, the, the, the jokes were flying. The jokes, the jokes be flying in that group chat. Isn't, so, hey, hey, and it's, hey, it's quite hey. appropriate because we are discussing some uh, some coaching changes. We could go on and on forever, as you can tell, after 25 episodes of, for the most part, all of us being together. We do have some good chemistry. But let's not be distracted from the uh, the reason why y'all have come on to listen to us conversate, as they say, and that's to talk about this Florida Kentucky game. So it did take a half to get going, and it did take a Kadaris Tony uh, near miraculous punt return at the end of the second quarter. By the way, shout out Baby Hendo. It was actually Xavier Henderson and not. Marco Wilson, as the announcer said, it was Xavier Henderson who sold the fake punt catch that drew the coverage team away from Kadarius Tony to spring him for that touchdown. So shout out baby Hendo for that. I'll, I'll just say this, that punt return seemed to 100% change the tide of the game for Florida. Um, or maybe it was Dan Mullen screaming at Todd Grantham that changed the tide in this game. Whichever it was, I do want to bring up a quick question uh, before we talk about the game itself. With the way Mullen lost it, and with Darren Mason being fired at Vanderbilt, some fans are connecting the dots and pointing to the possibility that Mullen may push Grantham. Yes, I'm saying it. Mullen may push Grantham out the door in some form or another and hire Mason as the defensive coordinator next year. Guys, what do you think? Anybody but anybody but Todd Grantham. I I and Will Muschamp. I know that there are certain Twitter people that want um, Will Muschamp as the Florida defensive coordinator uh, in 2021. Um, and really I'm I'm truly calling out Nettles 57. Good friend of mine, but uh, he is all about Will Muschamp being 
the defensive coordinator of Florida in 2021. Uh, I think Derek Mason would be a good step up. But really, my dream pairing would be uh, Christian Robinson and Tavares Robinson. So C-Rob and T-Rob as co-defensive coordinators. I think that would be a brilliant uh, combination between the two. But Todd Grantham, I wish all the best uh, for he and his family, uh, whatever NFL franchise he lands on, um, because he clearly is 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 not meant to be a collegiate coordinator. Uh, but I wish he, he and his family all the best. But, uh, yes, I would have a C-Rob and T-Rob uh, combination between the two. Neil, what do you think? Yeah, you're dreaming, Casey. You're dreaming. That's never going to happen. First of all, first of all, first of all, wherever Todd Granham goes, there's a 99.9% chance that Chris and Robinson is going to follow him because that's that was his DC when he played at Georgia. Um, second of all, I don't think Tavares Robinson is a terrible choice, but I don't want him, and I don't want Derek Mason either. I mean, yeah, they're both preferable to someone like Will Muschamp, even though Tavares Robinson did – coach the defense under Will Muschamp, I would prefer him to Muschamp. I don't want him because if Florida does make a change, they got to go someone bigger. We're Florida. We can do so much better than that. I would go after, uh, say, an, an Andy Avalos of Oregon, see if he wants to take that next step to the cream of the crop and come to the SEC, or maybe a Phil Parker of Iowa who's been at Iowa forever and see if he wants to try to actually win a championship. Mason and Mullen and T-Rob and Mullen just don't seem like good pairings, particularly Mason and Mullen after they almost got into a fist fight two years ago. So both of those are nas for me. Nah. Okay. But but I would also add a non-Florida name, Jim Leonard, the Wisconsin defensive There's no chance he'll take us. There's no chance. There's no chance. I I would love him, but there's no chance. Okay, Debbie Downer Shulman. Hey, I'll just just say this. That's a that's a good point you make, Casey. If if I was to pick a, a defensive coordinator, um, hot shot, I pick uh, Jim Leonard. I think well, he's I a mean, great pick. I, I, he's going to be mean, a not head only coach. that, but his. I'm so sorry. Not only, not only that, but his specialty is de- is defensive backs, and our our safety plays atrocious. Now let me just say this, guys. I do I I know I'm uh, Mr. Hot Take Dustin, but. I do not think I do not think Todd Grantham needs to go anywhere. I think he needs to stay right in Gainesville. I think he's doing a good job. I know that there's obviously some things he needs to work on. And the first thing he needs to do is he needs to fire Ron English. I love the the scheme that Todd Grantham has and when the right players are are in place, his scheme can beat anybody in the country. And I'm confident in that. The biggest problem that I've seen this year is the back end has been completely upended because safeties are out of place. They're trying to be heroes. And they're not making either – they're A, not making plays in the ball, or B, they look like chickens with their head cut off. It's awful. So if we can improve um, in the safety room, then I think the Gators could beat almost anybody in the country when it comes to defense. And I thought that second half, I know Kentucky is god-awful, and it doesn't necessarily help uh, that they're, uh, they, were, they, they were missing some of their best talent on offense. But Florida did hold Kentucky to less than 50 yards of offense, if I'm not mistaken, in the second half. The defense okay. is capable. Let me just say this. All right, Dustin, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you a it. question, Dustin. If the same Go safeties, and we know – who they are, if the same safeties or de- defensive backs in general are out of position and getting beaten, and we know who they are, I'm not going to say names, but we all know who they are. If the same safeties are making the same mistakes over and over again, and they're still out there every single time making the same mistakes over and over again, whose fault is that? For maybe not Ron putting English. in someone else. Well, or Ron, okay. Ron English. That 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 is Ron a English. potential answer. The guy's um, got to go. The guy's got to go. Okay, See, okay. I would be okay with Grantham, Grantham staying uh, if he uh, okay. would make the right personnel so, decisions, and he hasn't ever done that. 
So what makes you think he's going to start okay. doing that now? But 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 let's talk about it comes from the top down. It comes from the top down. It's not just English. The, not the top as as in Mullen. No, yeah, it I'm does come the top down. Grantham. We'll get to that in a little bit. Grantham. I mean it. Okay. Oh my gosh. I just I, the fact that Todd Grantham is hanging on, and he's not a good defensive coordinator is is. It bothers me that people are like, well, you can't fire in midseason. But you can if you have a championship-level offense. And I know I've been talking a lot, so Neil, this is your podcast. What do you think about that? Let me just say this real quick. Let me say one thing. Actually, it's a question. So, Neil, where does Todd Grantham rank as as one of the highest-paid coaches or assistant coaches in college football? Oh, boy, I can't wait to hear this. High, high. How high is he? One? Are, is he three? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When you say high, are you high? No. I mean, come on. He ranks high. Are you high in terms of getting paid, or so, in terms of how good he yes. is? Yes. What is in he terms paid? of what he's worth? Well, that's not what. That's how not much what Dustin is, asked. How much is he? So, how much is he getting paid a year, and what does that rank? No, 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 no. Dustin. The question you want to—that's what I'm asking. What is he worth? I'm not asking that, though, Casey. But why aren't you? Because I want to know. We'll, we'll get to how much he's worth. Grantham's salary is about $1.59 million. It started at $1.39 million in 2018, and it increases by $100,000 for each year. Okay, I don't think – and listen, I, I don't think that Todd Grantham is a bad defensive coordinator. I just don't think he's a great one. And at the University of Florida, you should strive to get great assistance. So, I again, I don't think every single thing that goes wrong is Todd Grantham's doing. I think if a guy – I think if a guy's playing the wrong position or he doesn't turn his hips in time or he's looking at the sideline with a ball is snapped, that's not necessarily on him every time. It's when you look at the sum of the tape over an entire season and you see two different defenders consistently okay. covering one guy and leaving oh, the other guy wide open, that okay. it gets to be a problem. Okay, guys. Okay, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. So let me get you the numbers. Okay, Todd Grantham – is the fifth highest paid coordinator in college football. Whoa. Okay. According to the USA Today, the latest numbers, he's making 1.8 million total. Whoa. 1.8 million total a year. Whoa. And then you go all the way down to number 27. You have Jim Leonard from Wisconsin. Yeah, making, that's wrong. Making 961 thousand dollars a that's year that's just not right woof i mean okay I mean, no. check dustin, that out du- dustin check dustin that is, out dustin no dustin is correct i'm saying that that's just look morally objective jim leonard jim leonard would love to take him and his family to sunny florida where he doesn't have to shovel snow for two three four months a year to make twice as much money preach brother preach Come on, man. So are you now telling me that Florida should fire Grantham? Because otherwise there's no reason to talk about Leonard. Okay, okay. okay. I'm not saying saying they should, but if they do, Leonard is a no-brainer. Okay. They can go for him, but he won't take the job. I'm going to – Neil, Neil. What do you mean he won't take the job? He wants to be a head coach. (laughs) He won't do it. What do you mean he won't take the job? Okay, okay. When you're a coordinator in the SEC, when you're a coordinator in the SEC, you prime yourself for opportunities to be a head coach. Jim Leonard is Wisconsin born and bred. He was an All-American for the Badgers. He wants to be the Wisconsin Badgers head coach. He's not leaving Wisconsin. He's a Wisconsin man. Forget it. It's not happening. For the record, I'm not saying that Florida should fire Todd Grantham. We're simply discussing if Florida fires Todd Grantham. Obviously, Casey and Neil are saying they want Todd Grantham fired, and I understand where they're coming from. Anything else you guys want to say on this discussion before we move on? Fire Todd Grantham. Okay. I'm I'm very close to that point. I – 
I will give him the rest of the year to really impress the hell out of me. And by that, I mean, let's see the team play like they did in the second half against Kentucky the rest of the year, no hiccups. Maybe then I'll reconsider. But until then, that's essentially where I am. If, uh, if you've heard this, if, if you're listening right now, then Casey has, has his thoughts. And uh, we know your thoughts are more important, but we'll keep it at that. So, guys, let's talk about the Florida-Kentucky game. Wow, what a game. And we'll get, we'll get to my takeaways and, and all of our takeaways in just a few minutes. I have a rant coming, so if you like hearing rants, oh boy. those rants empower oh boy. and impassion you and get you excited and get you fired up, then I, you better believe it. I'm going to be fired up, but we'll hold off on that. Let's go ahead and discuss our takeaways from the game, and we will start with Debbie Downer Schulman. <laughs> Give us your thoughts. Give us your thoughts on the game, Neil. I mean, my main takeaway is that Casey just let out a bellowing laugh when you call me De- Debbie Downer Schulman, which means that he did Debbie not Debbie Downer Schulman. Go on. Um, Go on with the answer. All right, well, <laughs> the main takeaway is that I think 2020 Florida is going to be a team that will always be remembered for struggling in noon games because that's kind of what they've done pretty much every time they've had one. Uh, it, it took them a half to get going, and then the talent disparity kicked in, and that was the end of that. Uh, I mean, Kentucky was missing over a dozen guys. That's not the formula for beating Florida. The good thing is Florida will only have at most – one more noon game potentially against LSU because we know Tennessee is going to be a 3:30 kick. Um, so yeah, I, I roll my eyes at the slow start. I, I do get annoyed by the slow start, like everyone else did. Losing two fumbles isn't good, but I'm just not really inclined to let that first half sway my perception of this team because I think Florida overlooked Kentucky, kind of like they did with Vanderbilt. But that's not something that's likely to happen against. Alabama or in a potential playoff game. The big takeaway I had was that the key pieces that are now fully healthy on each side of the ball or with those key pieces, Florida goes from being a very good team to a legitimate playoff contender. Kyle Pitts deadly as ever caught five balls for 99 yards and three touchdowns and shout out to my boy, James Houston, the fourth finally got that hamstring healthy led that defense with eight tackles and two and a half TFLs, and he was everywhere. Even on plays where he didn't rack up a tackle, he was always near the ball, blocking off cutback lanes, setting the edge. He did everything. And, I mean, these guys are instant upgrades to our team when they get plugged into the lineup. And with them, if the defense plays like it did in the second half, we just might have a shot to beat Bama. That's my takeaway. How about you, Casey? I think the defense showed out once Dan Mullen did what every Gator Twitter fan had done before that um, and shouted at Todd Grantham on the sidelines and literally released every energy from Gator Twitter onto uh, Todd Grantham on the sidelines. Uh, I remember – so – I've seen my – anybody that follows my Twitter or my Facebook knows that I am super close to my dad, and he is 75, an amazing guy, great Gator fan, and he and I watched the Florida-Kentucky game. It was our first game watching the uh, Gators this year, and <laughs> together watching the Gators game this year, and he looks at me when Mullen, like, yelled at at, at Grantham and said, what took him so long? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's you and I being together. Maybe it's just you and I being in the same room together for him to get to Grantham. And I don't know the second half, uh, Neil or Dustin will know uh, what the second half yardage was for Kentucky post. I do. Uh, I do. And that's my hidden gem. So don't you dare look it up. Okay, I won't. So, but the second half yardage for Kentucky, I think, really spoke to the power that Dan Mullen has over his staff and his team. Um, And really, personally, I I mean, I'm not going to give away my hidden gem, but um, yeah, it was, 
it was a good game, and I think it was a complete game come the second half. So Dustin texted me yesterday. He said, I have a rant that people won't be left standing after the end of. So I want to throw it to Dustin uh, because I want to hear this rant uh, with, with what we have going on. So Dustin, go. Okay. All right, guys. So once again, take a, take a breath in and then breathe out. So guys, one part. Okay. First off, I want to say this. James Houston, the fourth is a maniac. I am so happy for him. He absolutely stepped up his game and is, in my opinion, one of the final pieces that is, that is keeping Grantham part of the coaching staff at the University of Florida. His performance in that game single-handedly may have helped Grantham keep his job after what had happened at the end of the first half. And shout-out to Kyle Pitts. If the Florida Gators do end up winning a national championship this year, that will be the guy that you have to thank. Because regardless of what the situation, if you put the ball in the hands of Kyle Pitts, he's going to make a play. That's all, that, that's all I got to say when it comes to Kyle Pitts. But my rant has to do with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is frustrating the crap for lack of a better word, out of me when it comes to his play calling in the past game. Okay, go back to a Texas A&M game. There's literally no reason why Malik Davis should have been running the ball on that play. Throw the ball and get it into, into Kyle Pitt's hands, Trayvon Grimes, Justin Shorter. Get the ball into the playmaker's hands. We have a Heisman Trophy quarterback, and we have all these great receivers, and we try to run the ball? With got with Malik Davis, a good guy, but but he's he's not going to win you a game in this offense. We don't have the talent when it comes to run blocking, and we don't have the running backs to win games when it comes to that side of the ball. I feel like Dan Mullen is holding the the reins on this passing offense. Okay, what we saw against Ole Miss. We should be seeing that every freaking game, and I'm tired of it, okay? At the, against Kentucky, you know, I'm glad that Kyle Pitts got his touchdowns. I'm glad Kyle Trask got his touchdowns. But when, when Nick Delator uh, uh, gave Mullen an opportunity, this is what – I'm reading a tweet um, that he posted on, uh, on Saturday just after the game. He says, I gave Mullen a chance to campaign for Trask and the Heisman at the end of his presser. And he basically said, Trask is a great story. He has the numbers, but the team needs to keep winning if players want individual awards. You don't say! If we're going to win the national championship, you got to put the game in Kyle Trask's and Kyle Pitt's hands. I am tired of running the ball when we should be throwing the ball. I'm tired of getting cute with these screens. Florida is good when we're pushing the ball downfield and we're, 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 we're going for explosive plays. We've seen Kadaris Tony get better as a receiver. We've seen Justin Shorter improve. We've seen Grimes improve. And we have freaking Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. When you have Kyle Pitts and you have Kyle Trask, there's no reason why Florida shouldn't be throwing the ball for 500 yards a game and seven touchdowns a game. There's literally no excuse, okay? There's literally no excuse. And I know, I know Mullen is a team guy, and I understand. I know we have a ton of seniority in the running back room. I understand. But if we want to win championships, we need to put – the ball in the hands of Kyle Trask and let him make plays. He clearly can do it. He clearly has done it. And he's clearly trustworthy enough. If we're going to have any chance to beat Alabama, if we're going to have any chance to even come close to winning a national championship, it's going to be because of these two things. It's going to be because Kyle Trask continues to light up the field with his passing. And it's going to be because our receivers are making plays. 
I don't I'm, see our running backs winning a championship. Shout out to Dustin. And I'll leave it at that. Shout out to Dustin. Because more often than not, it's Neil and I getting our voice heard on here. So shout out to Dustin for getting his voice in and getting his viewpoint in. And you know what? I love the fact that, I mean, we are 25 podcasts in that we are hitting our stride that we all have our voice and we all have a viewpoint that's worth hearing and we all have rants that we need to hit and that we're all friends that we text outside from this podcast. And Dustin, I 100% agree with what you said, but even if I didn't, the fact that you had a rant and the fact that you had a voice that you felt like needed to be heard. And I love it. I love it. So go on with the bad self. God damn, man. Um, I mean, I just didn't know Dustin had that in him, but Dustin, I will, I I don't disagree with 95% of what you said. I will throw one counterpoint to you though. What happens What happens if, and I'm not talking about Texas A&M, I'm talking about Kentucky specifically yesterday. What happens if up 34 to 10, Mullen calls a pass play, our best friend DeLance misses a block, Trask gets leveled, and his knee shatters? Then what happens? He looks pretty stupid about that, doesn't he? Yeah. That oh, might yeah. be that might be cause for running the ball late in that game. Now, A&M, I got nothing. A&M, I have no... Great with what you said, but in terms of games where you've got a big lead and you're just tr- you just want to get out of there with no injuries in a COVID year, by the way, of 2020, where literally anything can, will, and has happened, you don't want to leave anything to chance. But in, in, as far as the AM yeah. game goes, no, I've got no points no. of criticism. I I agree. I agree 100. percent And after what we saw last year with with Tua um, getting hit late against Mississippi State and how he went out, I agree 100%. But while the game is still in question, we need to stop being cute when it comes to our offense. If Absolutely. we have an offense that can be guns blazing, then you better believe me, we need to be guns blazing. Dustin, well done. Or well, Dustin, done now- Dustin. well done. Well done. Thanks, guys. And, you know, I got to open it up just a little bit. No, I know I kind of play mediator most of the time but hey i'm i'm glad to have a voice on this podcast so thank you for the kind words casey with that being said let's get on to hidden gems obviously there's a lot of big takeaways that that we can bring out and and have already been brought out not just by us by but by other um sports pundits and prognosticators but i think it's time for us to get to our hidden gems i, I love that we do this um, you guys know the name of the game, so we'll just have Neil go first. Neil, what's your hidden gem? So my hidden gem is that Florida gave up 221 yards of total offense to Kentucky. 41 of those were in the second half. That's it. 41 yards of total offense for Kentucky in the second half. And Kentucky didn't even get a first down on their first five drives of the second half. That's how lights out our defense was in the second half. And I think that is the biggest bullet point Todd Grandham has in his case to stay at Florida. Two interceptions, one by Diabate, one by Sean Davis, and three three and outs on those first five drives. And their sixth drive of the half, which did finally get a first down, also ended with a pick by Travis Johnson. So for a team that got gashed in the first half for 180 yards – you could not have dreamed of a better second half. And listen, by no means am I willing to let one half of football overwrite the rest of what I've seen this season, including the first half against Kentucky. But I, I do think, and I will concede, it's possible that this is the start of this defense turning over a new leaf. I hope I'm right, but I think it is possible that this is the start of us turning over a new leaf on defense. Casey, what was yours? I'm just going to go very personal on this because my dad is 75 and I saw him for his birthday in January and I saw him shortly before Father's Day in June and I saw him for this game over Thanksgiving. So I'm going to go with a non-game related hidden gem that the hidden gem was being able to watch a football game with my dad 
in 2020 during the COVID crisis. And it was very meaningful. It was very enjoyable. And it was something that I'm going to take with me for a long, long time because I realized that um, not everybody had that privilege and not everybody had that um, that moment for them during this. So I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners that necessarily didn't have that honor and didn't have that opportunity to watch this game with their family. Um, I hope they had a warm and happy Thanksgiving that I quarantined for 15 days and I COVID tested three times before I went up as, as Neil and Dustin knew. Um, it was very difficult uh, before that, but being able to watch a game with my dad um, was a pretty, uh, pretty awesome thing. So Dustin, what was your hidden gem? Well, Casey, before I get to my hidden gem, I just want to thank you for sharing a non-football related hidden gem. I know I know for all the people listening to this, life is more than football. And in a, in a time and in a, in a year where it's been very difficult to, to see relatives, especially relatives that might be a little bit older or, or at risk, um, I think that's pretty special. So, Casey, thank you. And uh, I'm going to – my hidden gem is going to be James Houston, the fourth. He boy. absolutely put on a show. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, man, I, I've heard a ton about James Houston from, from Neil, but up until this season, we haven't really seen him have the reps that he may have deserved. But, you know, I'll just leave it at that. James Houston with his eight tackles, four solo, and his 2.5 tackles for loss. Um, I'm honestly at a loss. He's a maniac. He is the glue that is holding this defense together, um, especially a defense that was missing Amari Bernie. Uh, he he played great, and, and his his presence in the middle of the field opened up uh, Muhammad Muhammad Diabate to get his interception. I believe um, it, it really opened up the defense to do some more creative things. And on top of that, um, James Houston's such a big hitter. I think that for defense that has had struggles tackling, I can't say that James Houston is having struggles tackling. He's Every time he steps on the field, he's dead set on putting a clinic out there. And I hope, I hope the rest of the team can take heed to his leadership. And if the rest of the team begins to tackle and play like James Houston, then this Gator defense could – have the turnaround that we that that we hope we're seeing that the Neil mentioned, and I believe that if the, if the defense continues to play with the intensity, with the focus, and with the mental toughness that we saw in the second half against Kentucky, as led by James Houston, then we could see a national championship team in the Florida Gators. I'm glad you picked James Houston because it would have sounded super biased if I did it, but. Yeah, no, he's he's been a baller. So I'm sorry, I'm I, had glad you did that. I, I had to go no, personal. No, you were you were so. good. That was that was very that was a very important addition, especially around the time of Thanksgiving. But I'm and, I'm also and, glad and, that and, Dustin went there and did the well. And, and and I have to add that my stepmother hired a repairman to uh, repair a broken light. That was my parents live in the North Georgia mountains. So getting a repairman to repair anything up there is uh, interesting. We'll just leave it at that. Um, But the guy that came to repair the light was in an Alabama hat and an Alabama shirt. And he walks in and he sees me in my orange Florida shirt because, you know, we're playing Kentucky. And he goes, Oh, Florida. And he says it just like that. And before I could even say anything, my dad goes, because Alabama is the bastion of class and intellectualism in the South. And I was like, this is why you're my dad. Like, I mean, just absolutely just laid into the guy. And the guy's like, we can agree to disagree. And it was like, no, you know, you're beaten. You know, you're beaten. So anyway, um, that's I just had to add that. That's great. You want to count your blessings that the guy didn't just purposely screw with the light or break it or throw it or something. 
Yeah. All right, guys. So we do this every week, and, and it's uh, one of my favorite parts of the post-game podcast, and it's this. It's our fan reaction. So obviously we love to talk, and I'm not saying what we have to say isn't good, but there's just something about getting our, our, our listeners to chime in uh, that makes the, this podcast all the sweeter. So, so Casey, we'll start with you. You got a fan comment that you want to bring in? I do. Uh, so Bailey Pence to uh, Gators underscore Bailey, um, if you are on Twitter. Uh, I loved his comment that I think Dan Mullen needs to go ahead and rip Todd's ass the very second the ball kicks off every game so the defense will play like it did after he ripped him. 100%. Uh, there's nothing else that needs to be said. Uh, 100% agree with you, sir, or ma'am, whoever you are. Okay, so I'm going to go – Go go for with, it, Neil. I am. I was, as you said that. Um, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Alan Thompson at SC Biz Owner. I think Dan is holding way back. Last game and this game were off. I think he's trying to limit what goes on film and not blowing these teams out so Alabama doesn't go in thinking high on us. We dismantled Arkansas and Vandy slash Kentucky were and then an emoji with both eyes closed and the lips pursed in a direct horizontal line. And he goes and follows that up with, I think we'll target Pitts a lot the next two games. So try and get them to put more study on him. And in the SEC championship game, we'll target Grimes, Shorter, Copeland, and Gamble a lot. And I use that one because I think that is a potential solution to what Dustin was saying earlier in that epic rant he went on i don't use the word epic very often but i think that that rant epic. qualifies yes it was, it was i think epic. it qualifies so i think it qualifies yes, epic. yes. 100 does so point being i think that is as a voice i think that, that 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 qualifies as a potential explanation for it it does not explain what the f happened at texas a&m that was that was just awful in all different sorts of senses that's but, a whole nother podcast right but as as for kentucky and vanderbilt i think that that might be a very legitimate explanation so dustin what was your tweet hey, before getting to my tweet i'll just say this if alan thompson's tweet and his comments were correct i will gladly eat my words and i'll leave it at that as far as the fan comment that i want to bring forth Rob Crow, and you can follow him on Twitter at JRCGator18. And he says this, the last two weeks show us how far we have come under, and I'll just, I'll, you said meant to say Mullen, so leave it that, under Mullen, as we came out flat on both sides of the ball and still win comfortably. Also shows us how far we have to go to be at Bama's level. Bama beat the Cats by 60. We need better lines of scrimmage play to get to playoff level. I couldn't agree more. Obviously, and, and that, that's the, my biggest gripe, uh, you know, coming, I mean, kind of in addition to what I said in the rant, we are a team that was capable of beating Kentucky even even with the the mishaps that that happened during the game, I know we turned over the the ball, and that's obviously uh, not to be desired. But we still should have beat Kentucky, forty five ten or or fifty two ten. There's no reason why we shouldn't have done that, and we we didn't. Uh, Alabama clearly had the better game versus Kentucky, and obviously that's concerning, uh, but. If we continue to improve, and as was mentioned earlier, if Alan Thompson's comment is correct, and I hope it is, I'll eat my words, we have a lot to see. So, yeah, uh, uh, shout out to Rob. Thank you for that comment, and, and keep him coming. So, guys, let's move on to our segment that we like to call the final word, and we'll start by giving our player – We'll start by giving our player the game. So, Neil, we'll, uh, we'll have you go first with giving your player the game. 
I got to go Houston. I, I just I got to go Houston. I'm sorry if it seems biased, but I'm going Houston because coming off of a two-game absence with a hamstring injury to then lead the team in tackles and TFLs requires a lot of hard work behind closed doors that nobody sees aside from a couple of his teammates and coaches and trainers. And I know that kid put a lot of hours in to get himself to where he's supposed to be after not seeing the field for a couple of games and then to, to lead the way really. I mean, not just that wise, but he led that defense on Saturday and I know I'm, I'm so happy for him. I kind of, I'll just say proud of him. Like I'm a parent, I'm, I'm a friend of his, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy to see him put that work in and, and get to be a leader of the defense against Kentucky. And I, I'm super excited to see what lays ahead for him. You know what, Neil? I know usually you you try to avoid putting in James Houston as your player of the game or your hidden gem, but I'm proud of you for 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 shouting him out. That's a big deal. I think it's very important that you you said that. Casey, who's your player of the game? I'm going to go with uh, my boy Jake Finn because as uh, Nick Delator punters people too. Um, he had two punts for 91 yards. His average, his average punt was 45, um, almost 46 yards a punt. You know, his long was 49 yards. And the one punt that he had that was inside the one-yard line, that flipped the field. And that really, I think, set the tone for the game. Uh, and Jake Finn did what he needed to do on two punts. Um, but really, you just need one punt to pin them back on their ears and to make the game count. Uh, So my boy, Jake Finn, Uh, my boy, Jake Finn is my player of the game. What about you? Quick, 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 quick addition, quick point. That punt that he put inside the one Kentucky then went three and out and then punted to Kadarius Tony, who took it back for a touchdown. So it set the stage for that punt return TD by Tony, as well as for the game ahead of it. But yes. That's why yeah. my player of the game. Hey And uh, speaking of pump speaking of pump return by Tony, we will get to that play in just a few minutes when we talk about a play of the game. But before we do that, I'm gonna say my player of the game and and uh, honestly I was kinda hoping somebody said Kyle Pitts so that I could uh, say another player, but um, I'll say Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, player of the game. I mean Five receptions, 99 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, who does that? Three touchdowns on five receptions? Welcome I mean, and, back, and, Mr. Pitts. Exactly. Welcome back, Mr. Pitts. I mean, he played phenomenal. That 56-yard touchdown reception where he outran one of the better defensive backs in the SEC. I mean, come on. There is literally no doubt that Kyle Pitts is the best player on this Florida Gator team. And what's so funny about college football is even if Kyle Trask wins the Heisman and the Gators beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, the the best player on the team won't even be considered to be the best player in the country, if you know what I mean. I'm just saying, I mean, Kyle Pitts is a monster, had a monster game, had two incredible NFL receptions, and that route running on that last touchdown catch was absolutely ridiculous. His footwork, incredible. There's a reason why pro football focus has Kyle Pitts as bar none, the best tight end in the country. Again, as Casey said, welcome back, Mr. Pitts. All right, guys, let's get to – my favorite part of the final word, and that is our play of the game. And let's have Casey go first. Casey, what would you say our play of the game was? So I'm going to say the play of the game uh, is really going to be the the punt return by Kadarius Tony. I mean, it was the first punt return we had for a touchdown since 2018. Um, and I And that was against Colorado State, so I don't know – when the last punt return we had versus a conference opponent would be. Uh, but I, I would say that's play of the game because really that, I think, turned the game on its end. Uh, we took the lead 
on that, um, and we never looked back. So uh, I'm really going to say that that was the play of the game. Kadarius Tony returning the punt for a touchdown. I'll give you a hint. It had to do with Antonio Callaway. He was the guy who returned it. Um, I'll let you think about that for a minute while I give my play of the game. My play of the game is going to be the rock the baby touchdown catch by Kyle Pitts. Quick slant over the middle. Defender has no chance because there's no think about it, there's there's no corner that can match up with him size wise, and there's no linebacker who can match up with him speed wise. So any slant you throw to Kyle Pitt that doesn't get batted at the line is probably going to be caught. And when you do it from inside the five yard line, it's probably going to be a touchdown. So, but I mean, the, the best part to me was him taking the ball and then rocking it like a baby right in front of four different Kentucky players faces, just to, just to let them know it's, you know, it's, it's the second generation of Matt Elam doing the go to sleep thing. Like, all right, you guys have had your fun nap time. Go to sleep now. We got this. So that was that was just awesome. How about you? What was your what was your play of the game, Dustin? I'm gonna have to go ahead and say the 56 yard touchdown reception by Kyle Pitts. I know it was early in the game, and I know it may have not been the deciding play, but when it comes to the dominance that we should have seen the entire game against Kentucky, I don't think any other play uh, surmises that than that one play. I mean, what an incredible return. Again, as I mentioned before, for Mr. Pitts, Mr. Kyle Pitts, the, you know, I mean. Put some respect on that name. Absolutely. That, that play was incredible. Not only was the catch great, but, I mean, clearly Kyle Pitts is one of the fastest receivers on the field his athleticism his his hands one 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 analyst said it aptly called him an alien he's literally out of this world so let's go ahead and move on to our grades again uh this is the in all kinds of weather forecast and it wouldn't be it without some academic component so let's go ahead and grade grade the the gators and obviously we'll we'll, uh, we'll preface that it, it was obviously a game from a defensive standpoint that was a tale of two halves um and we'll obviously take that into account with our grades uh but we'll go ahead and start so neil go ahead and give us your your uh your grades for the gators okay so offense i will give a c plus two because kyle pitts is just unfair and he exists he's a part of the team so he is responsible for the grade being that high. The rest of the game wasn't really super impressive. Kyle Trask was all right. It was a ho-hum day, as Dan Mullen said. Um, didn't do anything oh, terrible. Man, ho-hum phrase of the day. I'll leave it at that. Continue, Neil. Okay. Well done. Um, well that, done. With that, well outburst, done. with that outburst out of the way, um, the two fumbles that were lost were not good. The lack of offensive firepower in most of – or in most of the first quarter, all the second quarter, and all the fourth quarter are concerning, but Kyle Pitts is unfair, and he's why they get a C plus. Defense gets a B minus because they were horrid in the first half, and they were great in the second half. My boy James Houston was great, but he wasn't the only one. You know, Sean Davis got there with a pick. Muhammad Diabate got there right in front of the line. I don't know why Terry Wilson threw that, but thank you, Terry Wilson, for that gift. Muhammad Diabate with that pick. And Trayvon Johnson showing up with a big play in the secondary. So they get a B- minus because that's kind of the neutral grade for me with one bad half and one good. Special teams gets an A+, because there's no higher grade to give than that. Um, Evan McPherson's rare missed field goal aside, it hit the upright, by the way. So that's, that's how bad he missed it. Even his miss was very close, but Evan McPherson's field goal aside, when I say this, let's just say that I don't think the special teams could have possibly done anything better than they did. They got a punt return for a touchdown. They faked a punt early in the game that went for a big play. They, Almost blocked a punt. They didn't, but they came pretty close to that. And how about Jake Finn with that coffin corner punt inside the one-yard line? So that was that. And coaching gets a B-minus as well for the same reason as the defense because 
I thought some of the decision-making was very good and others were very bad. I do not like the idea of killing the clock necessarily when there's 14 minutes to go in the game. I do not like having Trask drop back to throw on second and short and getting swallowed up for a 10-yard loss to kill a touchdown drive and kicking a field goal instead or forcing them to kick a field goal instead. Um, but overall, I thought they were okay. I think after the after the fire that Mullins spewed out at Grantham, I think the decisions got a lot better. Um, but, yeah, those are my grades. Um, and we'll turn it over to Casey next. How about you? What were your grades? I mean, I give the team an A minus. Um, we're supposed to be Kentucky. I mean, 2018 aside, we're supposed to be Kentucky. Um, and I think when you look at Kentucky, just like you look at Vanderbilt, even though we lost to them in 2013, you look at that game and you look at Kentucky and a how bad did we beat them and how did we look in doing it? Um, and I think there are a lot of Gator fans that look at it in that mindset that how do we look in beating Kentucky? How do we look in beating Vanderbilt? How do we look in beating Tennessee? And in that aspect, I'll give them an A minus. Um, special teams did more. They did more than what they were expected to do. The defense played for one half. Like they didn't give a darn uh, for podcast purposes. Uh, defense for the second half, I think, played lights out. Uh, and offense, they started slow like they did versus Vanderbilt, but they did what they needed to do. So I'm going to say an A-, minus, um, but this won't beat Alabama. So I need to see more versus Tennessee, and I need to see more versus LSU because this won't beat Alabama. We need consistency to beat Alabama. And we haven't seen that in any game post-Georgia this year. So, Dustin? All right, Casey, thanks. And and uh, super quickly, I'm going to go ahead and give a grade for the first half and then a grade for the game. I'm not going to do a ton of commentary, but I just want to, for the sake of illustration, I want to show you, you who are listening to this how much – the second half changed the outcome of that game. Offense, D, abysmal. Defense, D+. Plus. Thank God that thank God Kentucky didn't score more points, but I think that had a lot more to do with, with Kentucky's ineptitude, especially in the past game, um, than what the, what the Gators were doing on defense. But let me just say this, special teams, A++. Plus plus. Single-handedly on that Jake Finn punt, and that uh, that kickoff, that punt return by Kaderis Tony, incredible. And then coaching, <laughs> I, I just gotta laugh because coaching got a, got a D minus for the 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 first half. But I will give Dan Mullen an A plus just for yelling at Todd Grantham. That was incredible. Cool snaps. Game, cool snaps for Dustin Smith for making that reference. Cool snaps. <laughs> Thanks, ma'am. So for the game offense, got to think about context. You know, if you're beating Alabama 34 to 10, that's the best game of all time in Gator football history. But if it's Kentucky, a team that Alabama beat 63 to three, the game prior, only scoring 34 points, that's average. So offense gets a C. Defense, even after the second half performance, they get a B. Special teams, A++. Don't need to say, again, why. Obviously, they play great. We can forgive a, a miss by arguably the most accurate kicker ever to play football at the University of Florida. An overall coaching grade would be a C-. And uh, if you want to know why I gave the coaching staff and Dan Mullen, namely, a C-, that you can uh, rewind back and, and listen to my rant. And I'll leave it at that. Guys, anything else you want to say before we crash land this thing and wrap it up? Time to beat Tennessee. T-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats. It's almost it sure, basketball season. Hey, you're right. It sure feels good that we beat Kentucky. Oh, wait, I got one more time. thing. I got. I do have one more thing. Go I forgot. Um, shout out to J.J. Weaver and shout out to Kelvin Joseph. 
Um, you guys tried so hard. You almost. Oh man. You almost stopped Kyle Pitts. I mean, he he didn't even get a hundred yards. He didn't even get four touchdowns. You guys tried so hard. You guys get you guys get props for that. This is where you dub in the sound effect. Wah, wah, wah. Anyway, guys. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. If you've enjoyed our show, please subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. We would definitely appreciate that as we continue to grow. Again, thank you for listening. I hope on the behalf of the entire team here at inallkindsofweather.com and the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast podcast, we want to. We hope, hope that you had a happy Thanksgiving. We hope that you enjoyed seeing Florida beat Kentucky. And we'll be right back here in just a few days to preview the Florida-Tennessee game. And we have an incredible guest lined up for that episode. So stay tuned. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And, of course... Go Gators! Go the Rocket Tap! Woo! Second in the SEC East or fifth? <laughs> fifth or seven? <laughs> Go Gators! Woo! Go Gators! Go Gators. <laughs>